welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. Uh, today's interview, we're going to do something a little different, although I've had some had some people that are new to pastured pigs on before, so I wouldn't say it's terribly different. But uh, I've got Julie Friend on the line here from Wilden Farm. She's up in the Deep Creek, Maryland area, and we've been discussing um, uh, things back and forth on email and really like um, what she's got going on up there. Again, just very new to it, but uh, love her attitude and love her approach, and she's got some uh, several stories she's going to share with us and some of the challenges she's faced. So, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Troy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. All right. Well, I'm... A, I'm glad that you listened to the podcast. B, I'm excited that uh, I get to talk to yet somebody else you know, sticking their toe in the water of pastured piggery. And uh, it sounds like so far it's been a great experience. You've enjoyed it. Uh, but let's, uh, let's back up here a little bit. So if, um, if you were going to tell our audience a little bit about you and a little bit about your setup, how would you explain all that? Okay, so I am new to farming. I've only been doing this about three months, um, and I got into agriculture kind of through my own health journey. I had some pretty bad episodes of depression, and um, I would get sinus infections several times a year. Um, I would have a stomach ache after I ate, things like that, things that I thought were just normal. <laughs> but none of that was what sparked a change in me. It was the fact that I had gained weight. So I went on a diet for weight loss, and it was a whole foods diet um, where you eliminated sugar and grains and legumes and any sort of processed foods. So I did that, and um, honestly, within a couple days, I noticed a significant difference in my energy level, and I noticed that my mood improved and, you know, kind of like anxiety and little things that I had went away. So that was kind of like a light bulb moment when I realized, oh my gosh, like eating whole foods. Um, really? Yes. So you're, okay. no, so you're, so you're saying what you're saying, eating your whole foods, you, you're able to take this moment of clarity, say, well, I'm gaining weight. So I'm going to try this diet. And, and then some of the, the benefits that came out of that is like, wow, this is actually correcting other health issues that I've had, by just simply, changing my diet and eliminating some of these process things. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes, exactly. I realized how much of an impact food had on my overall health, not just weight, just, you know, my overall health, my mental health, my physical health, everything. So um, that was a big aha moment for me. And I started cooking more with whole foods because if you're, if you're eating whole foods, you can't really, <laughs> you can't buy anything right. at the grocery store, you know, so you have to learn to cook from scratch. So I sort of did that. But at the time, I'll admit, I was still shopping at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't realize too much about agriculture. Like I knew that factory farming was really bad. But I didn't know that if I bought something at the grocery store, like a package of grass-fed beef, that that cow wasn't necessarily on pasture, you know, that maybe it was in a feedlot being fed hay. So there were just things that I was ignorant about. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I was living in Chicago, and I was really fortunate to have access to a really great farmer's market. So I started, um, I made an intention a couple summers ago to shop exclusively at the farmer's market as much as I could. Like I would still buy, I don't know, like salt at the grocery store, but I made an effort to buy all my meat and produce at the farmer's market. And through that, I noticed an even bigger difference in my health and the way that I felt. And so I kind of describe it like this. Like when I switched over to a whole foods diet, it was like I eliminated all the junk. But when I started shopping at the farmer's market directly from farmers, it was like I was actually putting the nutrients back into my body and nourishing my body through these foods and, you know, the methods that they were growing the foods. Mm. Um, so then I started talking to farmers and just having conversations about, you know, what, what their operation was like. And um, I would notice like different things that they had on their sign. And one of the farmers that I shopped from said regenerative agriculture. And so that was, I was really curious about. Um, so I started doing research on what regenerative agriculture was and um, just kind of made the connection between soil health and the health of humans and the health of animals and plants and the planet. And um, from there, I um, just kind of went rabbit hole, rabbit hole down. <laughs> it's easy to do, <laughs> yeah. easy to do isn't it? I yes. Really, I, yes, I really did. Um, so I'm going through this whole, like, you know, nature is everything hippy dippy phase. And meanwhile, my parents moved to a farm in Deep Creek, Maryland. Oh, wow. <laughs> so let me, let, yes. me st let me stop you there real quick, if you don't mind. So, so I love this story. I love where you're going with this. So you're doing, you're in Chicago, you're visiting these uh, farmer's markets. You're, you've discovered what you've discovered about your diet and how it's affecting your health. So you're starting to ping these farmers about, hey, how do you do this? Or how does this do? What does all this mean? But at the same time, your parents are moving to a farm. Is it, is it anything related to one another? Or is this just, <laughs> is this totally coincidental? Um, coincidental. Wow. Um, it was a farm that had been in my, um, family, but you know, no one was living here. And so they just decided to move here. Uh, we had always come to Deep Creek, like growing up to go to the lake or to go skiing. So mm -hmm. it's an area that I was very familiar with. Yeah. So they moved here and it was being farmed conventional corn and soy. And of course, like I knew that that was <laughs> not the right path. And my mom was pretty opposed to the just she didn't want chemicals sprayed where she lived sure. and my and my dad didn't really like it either but I think that they knew that they didn't want to have it farmed that way anymore but they didn't know what they wanted to do alternatively so I had heard about the Moses conference um the Midwest organic conference from a farmer at the farmer's market and I asked my parents to come with me and that was February 2019, so the three of us went, and after that, they um, decided to stop the corn and soy. They replaced those 90 acres with a perennial pasture. Wow. And then, yeah, yeah, which was awesome. And then it took me another full year to, like, muster up the courage to come here and do this, but now I'm here, and we're rolling. Yeah, so, so that, wow, you that's a huge move. Okay, so, and there's, there's several moves there I want to talk about. So, first of all, you all go to a conference last year and kind of really get uh, baptized into this whole uh, <laughs> organic uh, food movement. But to, yeah. to have the to have the wherewithal to come back and take 90 acres of 
of monocrop and decide you're going to do away with it. That, that's a big swing, not only um, in just uh, philosophy and use of land, but even financially, yeah, because that, that 90 acres, I'm sure, was producing revenue, whether it was you all putting it up or somebody else. But you know, that's a pretty big swing there. So that's, that's a gutsy move to make. Yeah, and I think that that is one of the things that we're really fortunate is that the farm, we, my parents weren't reliant on the farm for income. So the 90, the, the 90 acres that was being farmed corn and soy, you know, they didn't have a lot to lose by transitioning it over, where I know that that could be riskier for somebody who's like completely reliant on that sure. for their income. So I think that was helpful. And I think, yeah, we all just, drank the Kool-Aid and really truly believe that this path is the right way, um, the right path in, you know, restoring the land and, and what we want to do with our pasture based livestock system. So how did that conversation go about? Is that mom and dad calling you in Chicago and saying, Hey, Julie, why don't you move to the farm? Or is that kind of reverse? (laughs) Was it you saying, Hey, you guys got the farm. I'm thinking about doing a total lifestyle change here. How did that come out um I think it was a little bit of both like I was really curious about moving here and it seemed like the direction that I wanted to go with my life um but I also I had a business in Chicago so that made it hard for me to come back and my parents um you know they're they're older and they weren't they wouldn't have done this without me like they wouldn't have gotten livestock and turned it into like a working farm without me being here so I think that we both brought different things to the table and it's been so long since I've lived around them that I think we were all just excited to actually be around each other again and try to work together and like I said we all bring different um different positive attributes to the table so we felt like we would make a really good team yeah okay so so within the last year it sounds like the last 18 months at least you've you've uprooted from chicago you've moved to maryland onto the farm three months ago three months ago okay yeah <laughs> okay so you went to so, the conference last year and it so it took you a year to, to kind of get to this it took me point. about a year yeah and i remember <laughs> like i had wrapped up my business in chicago and i planned on staying in chicago for you know a couple weeks to get everything together before I came here but I had a conversation with my mom on the phone and she was like you know um it takes layers like five months before they start laying eggs and I was like oh it takes them five months and I'm like holy shit five (laughs) months and I literally I got in my car the next day and drove here because I was like we have to get we have to get things going um and it's pretty amazing how much we've accomplished in three months. I think because we're in the middle of like the farming season, it feels like we haven't accomplished a lot because we don't have anything to sell. But if we would have, if we would have started in December and accomplished what we have by, you know, February or March, we'd be like, Oh my gosh, we're, we're doing great. But it's harder when you're in the midst and you know there's all these farmers markets going on and all these things and you don't have any products to sell yet. Yeah, well, I'm, I gotta say I'm impressed. A, a, a dazzling Chicago urbanite 
moving to the farm three months ago, and, and what I know you've completed already, I, I, I'm impressed. You, you've hit the ground running <laughs> quite <you>. well. <laughs> We've really hit the ground running, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yes. I love it. What a, what a gr- what an incredible Green Acres story. It's, it's like a modern version of Green Acres. Now I'm dating myself here. <laughs> well, well, cool. Um, I don't want to laugh at your expense, but that that is really neat. That, that's exciting to hear. So, um, Oh, yeah. Another I, funny story, because I, I, I feel like I, I really have jumped in, like, head first if that if that's the way the saying goes but within my first two weeks of being on the farm we went to visit another farm where we bought our feeder pigs and um because I wanted to like check out their operation and they were getting ready to castrate pigs and I said oh I would love to help you castrate pigs because I'm thinking I need all the experience I can get right and then a couple of days later, she texted me and said, hey, we're going to castrate on this day. Like, are you available? And I'm like, that is so nice. Like, there is. <laughs> right? And now. <laughs> and then I what a lovely that, What a lovely neighbor yes, to invite me over so for that. nice to include me in the castration. And then I realized after doing it, like, holy crap, I got invited because I'm just an volunteer you know and uh, with no clue of what I was getting myself into or how horrific my first I mean my first real experience with a pig was like removing its manhood <laughs> oh, I love it. yeah that I mean that's definitely well I mean trial by fire you know you know, sink yeah. or swim sink or swim there you go and, right well and again I just I tip my hat to you to say um for, for, for getting in there and doing it and not turning around and running. You know, when, when you got there to see what was really going on, you, you stuck it out and, and you learned, you, you've experienced it, and, and now you have an opinion about castrating pigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yes. a qualified opinion. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I have to ask because I know everyone's thinking this, and, and you feel free to answer this to whatever degree you want. So uh, giving up a Chicago business and a Chicago income and moving to the farm in rural Maryland, that's a pretty big <laughs> economic swing there. How's that working out for you? Do you, do you have all farm uh, uh, income? Are you working something out with your folks? How, how does that work out? Yeah, I'm working something out with my parents, awesome. um, which is really great. So they have built a new house on the farm. Um, but while they were building their house on the farm, they built a garage with an apartment above it. Oh, yeah. Um, so it worked out really well because now I'm living in the garage apartment and Sweet. working full, yes, and working full time on the farm. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of like I'm getting the apartment and plus some pay. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, 20 years ago when I when I bought my property, that's what my wife and I did. We built an apartment in anticipation of building the main house. And I wish I'd love to go back. Um, about 18 years ago when we were getting ready to spend the money on building a house and punch that guy right in the nose and say, no, stay in the apartment for the rest of your life. You will save so much money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I know. It's... Did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm here. Okay, sorry. Wow, I'm sorry. It went, went very dead there for a second. Okay, cool. So, um so let's talk a little bit about the farm, and uh, I know eventually, uh, for those listening, we are going to talk about pigs, I promise, uh, but this is just this just fascinates me. So so you move <laughs> to the farm, um, yeah, you're kind of hitting the ground running, and obviously it sounds like you got you know, egg layers in, so what was what was the start? What did you say, okay, here, here mom and dad, here's the things we, we definitely got to get started with this year? Well, in a lot of ways, I feel like we started backwards. <laughs> Because we have the 90 acres of pasture, 
but we started we didn't start with any like ruminant animals so but i think we started with things that we felt like were easy um so we got the layers we got uh, meat chickens um we got turkeys and we got the pigs so we got two cooney cooney pigs and then we have 10 pigs that are a mix of um, large black old spot and tamworth okay and then we have a market garden but it isn't it's kind of takes the back end to the livestock so it's a work in progress sure yeah absolutely so let's yeah. let's talk about uh, your choice of pigs or how you found them. So um, first of all, why why the two different groups and how did that come about and, and what's your what's your plan with that this year? Um, so the ten pigs that are the mix of Old Spot and um, Large Wack and Tamworth, they we can just refer to them as the ten pigs okay. <laughs> for the <laughs> remainder of the conversation. That's the just ten. easiest. That's what we refer them as. Okay. So. Um, that's the farm I got them from where I castrated the pigs and the farmers who own that farm and run it, uh, are friends of ours and they've been doing pigs on pasture for, for decades. So I knew that that's where I wanted to get the pigs from just because I felt like they had really good genetics for, for raising them on pasture. I felt really confident about that. Excellent. Um, and then doing more research. I got really intrigued by Cooney Coonies because I, you know, heard about them being good grazers and just having like a slightly different um, type of meat or type of pork. So I, I just, I was really curious to try them. So we got the two feeder, um, feeder Cooney Coonies and we actually got those ones first and we just fell in love with them. Yeah. <laughs> they are luckily, um, luckily for them and for us, they're both, they're both girls. So we're actually going to breed them. We're not going to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out, but the, I mean, we named them. We really just, yeah, they, they're so cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're like big softies when it comes to them. Right. But, um, yeah, so, and then I, yeah, so I think we'll, we'll breed them for sure. I, I'm not sure if we'll just sell all the piglets. I, I'm just, I'm not sure that we can raise them for meat just because of the, the, the way that they are. Um, right. yeah, so, but the other pigs are great. And, um, I think we're going to keep two or three of them as well to breed in the spring. So Okay, so you've got you've got the ten that we've talked about, and you've got the two that are becoming more mascots on the farm. They uh, are mascots. Yeah. That's a great that's a great way to put it. Right. So so the ten. Uh, it sounds like you've got a, a mixture of of barrows and some some gilts that sound good, and and I love the fact that you had the resource of having your friends um, who had the experience with pastured. Uh, pasture raising pigs that, that helps so much you're, you're so far ahead of the game finding reliable stock uh, to bring in and raise so it sounds like you can always go back to them for additional genetics uh, for help for for any of the, that insight that you may need yeah exactly it's been so great having them as kind of like mentors and being able being able to reach out to them and the pigs I mean you can tell that they do have very good genetics like they do really really well on pasture um we got a crazy cold spell in May and I mean, they were fine. Like they didn't, 
the, the cold, they were fine in the cold. They're okay in the heat. I mean, they're mostly in the woods, so they're shaded, but they seem to be doing really well on pasture and they're, they're really friendly, but they're also hardy. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy with them. Yeah. I think we got really lucky for, with our first batch of pigs. Right. Very good. So how are you, uh, right now, how are you managing them on pasture right now? Do you have electric system in place or using netting? How are you moving them around? Yeah, I'm using the pig net. Um, and the reason that I went with that as opposed to like, uh, strands is because we do not have any perimeter fencing Mm -hmm. and I, that was a major concern for, with my dad, um, with having, you know, pigs on the loose. So after just asking a couple different farmers and getting feedback, I felt like the pig net was more secure. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's um, fair. Mm-hmm. But it's a real pain in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And yeah, that's, that's the unfortunate side with the, the branches and the uneven ground and those type of things. It does make it a challenge to go through the woods with the netting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the one thing that's challenging. And, you know, I might switch over now that they're older, but, but I'm not sure about that. And then with the Cooney Coonies, they roam. They just roam. They don't have fencing. <laughs> so these are really two dogs. They're not, they're not pigs at this point, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, where we're located, though, and this is another part of my, like, strategic planning for keeping them is that we have so much tourism where we're at Mm -hmm. and our plan is to um, we're in the process of creating a couple campsites for camping and then we're going to build tiny homes on the property as well so and just as far as like doing farm tours and having people on the farm I think it's good to have the Cooney Coonies who are so friendly and um, you know just for people to be able to interact with with an animal that they wouldn't normally get to interact with. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that's a great idea. Yep. Especially in, in that Deep Creek area. I've been there multiple times. That is that that is definitely a draw. So you could make that farm a destination location where people could come and experience, uh, be on vacation, but still experience some farm life. That, that's right. a great idea. That's a good value add. We, we've talked to several people on the podcast that have done uh, just that same element, uh, value add the production by having some agritourism element tied into it well you had mentioned a couple uh, you'd mentioned the challenge of the poultry netting or the poultry netting, the pig netting um, i'm still in chicken mode here uh in in the <laughs> woods so in your in your three months of being on the farm what other challenges have you run into when it comes to pigs that maybe you you're experiencing right now or maybe you foresee in the future um the biggest challenge right now is just the fact that we haven't developed a water system yet. Mm. So it's a lot of carrying five gallon buckets of water. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that gets old. Quick. And that gets old. <laughs> yes, and it's um it's really time consuming. So we actually did just buy some um of the IBC totes. Um and we're working toward that. We have water on the property. We have a spring and we have a creek. So we have the ability to get water. Um, it's just that we haven't actually developed a water system yet. So I would say that that's been the biggest challenge so far, um, is, is the water. And then, I mean, we talked a little bit about the feed sourcing. Mm -hmm. I want to feed organic. Um, 
that was like one of the one of the things that as a consumer I struggled to find a producer who was doing pigs on pasture and doing organic feed um and now I understand why because it's really hard to find and it's really expensive yeah yeah but something that it's like not really negotiable with me I would like sooner not raise pigs than forego the organic feed if that makes sense sure yeah so um that's been challenging because right now we're sourcing feed and it's like three and a half hours away or it's like $150 to ship a pallet so Mm. yeah so it's a I mean it's a day a day trip to go pick up to go pick up feed and and me being new and not really having you know like not really knowing okay we're gonna go through this amount of feed over these three months so this is the amount I need to order <laughs> so um, it's making more trips because right. yeah because I run out of things yep. or I'm about to run out oh yeah. I know what that's like that's why yeah it, it, you really are in a in such a learning environment right now that uh, that uh, yeah, I'm sure you're documenting this as much as possible, but just figuring out uh, just the life cycle on that farm. And that's what fascinates me with talking to so many different people. There's so much uniqueness to individual setups that uh, you can't just go over to XYZ Farm and say, okay, this is, this is what you do. I'm going to just duplicate that exactly because yeah, each farm situation is unique. But... Uh, Okay, so yeah, sorry about that disconnection there. But so as we were talking about, just just kind of learning as you go along, it's helping you figure out. Um, yeah, it's a new ground you're plowing. Pardon the pun, where you're trying to figure out exactly what type of feed consumption you have, where to source that best. What about storage? How are you storing your feed right now? Do you have infrastructure like barns and those things that you can store that in? Yeah, we do. 
some buildings are their barn. The barn. Julie, I'm losing you again. Uh, yeah, you just. Can come. you hear me? Uh, now I can hear you. Yeah, you're coming back. Okay. Oh, now you. Yeah, you're going again. <laughs> Let me see. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you're coming and going. Still can't hear you. I can see we're still connected, but I, I can't hear you at all. Get a question about infrastructure. So you started to tell me about your barn, if you'd pick up right there. Yeah. Uh, now? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah so whenever you're ready. Oh, um, um, we have some infrastructure that was existing on the farm. We have a barn that is just in okay condition and um, an old grain storage building that we actually turned into uh, our brooder. And then we have a machine shed and another building that we call the shop. Okay. So we have different buildings and then all of the, um, infrastructure that we've sort of built for our animals because everything's on pasture and everything's being farm so everything that we've built is mobile so we built like an egg mobile for our layers that we move every day and um the like the pig huts we we built these little like a-frame huts that are on skids so we can pull them with the gator yeah yeah good deal yeah so, um, so in your three months of, of raising pigs, is there, what surprised you about pigs? What is something that you've learned or maybe multiple things you've learned about pigs that, uh, that maybe you weren't aware of? Um, <laughs> well, when I told you that I castrated the pigs um, and they were squealing and screaming and my heart was like racing because it sounded like, you know, I was killing them. But after <laughs> actually having pigs, I realized that that is just, how noisy they are yeah. like if you bring food they scream bloody murder like they just that's just the noise that they make it doesn't mean <laughs> that they're actually like dying or hurt or anything like that right so that's yeah <laughs> so that's one thing that i learned and um i also learned that plant planning is really hard i mean as much as i've read and listened to podcasts um doing is completely different from reading yeah. so even in terms of just figuring out like when the right time is to move their paddock um and just kind of you have to have that intuition where you watch your animals and you kind of notice their behavior and characteristics and you know know when when they need something or when something's right or when something's wrong um, so I think just taking a chill pill on the whole like reading and planning and just using my intuition mm -hmm. to take care of the animals. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then just how much, how little I know. I remember when I was driving here, I listened to your podcast and you talked about boar taints and I had never even heard of boar taints. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a farmer and I've never even heard of boar taint. Like what other things do I just have no idea about? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it is amazing. And again, I, I think uh, the minute we stop learning, we start dying, but, uh, right. uh, but it's, 
I mean, you, you, it, it's not going to stop. You're, you're going to learn something new no. every single time. And, and that's the beauty of it. And that's the challenge. I mean, that's the love-hate with farming. And, you know, I think of right now, you're, you're not that far away from me. I'm thinking, okay, in Maryland, you guys have probably had a wet spring like we've had. So you're going to, you're going to have a certain assessment this first year of how the pasture is healed and how the chickens have done well here and how you've been able to have water in the creek in this spot. But maybe next year we have a dry spring. So those are just things that you're going to have to prepare for and, and right. make notes. And that's where, the, that's where it's really nice to have. I mean, now you know why there was a farmer, farmer's almanac. Now you know why these, these guys would keep these journals because that's how uh, they could keep track of all this stuff. I've written more down uh, farming than I did when I was in college. So it seems like. Yeah. <clears throat> well, right. Well, I want to transition, if we could, to um, – to something that we you shared with me in email, uh, something I thought was really neat. So uh, you you use the hashtag Save the Pork. So uh, yes. so unpack that for <laughs> me. Explain to our our listeners what that is. Yeah. Okay. So hashtag Save the Pork. Um, okay. So I moved here in the midst of COVID, and shortly after I got to the farm, um, it was all over the news about processing plant closures and pigs being euthanized in, you know, very large numbers. And I kind of done some like things on social media where I reposted it and I kind of had, you know, this like, I told you so attitude where I'm like, we need a decentralized food system. Right. But all that, and, and I felt like in the long-term goal to combat our centralized food system, I am doing something by producing local meat Mm -hmm. for the community. But in the short term, it felt like there wasn't much that I could do to like mitigate this situation Um, until my friend reached out to me, uh, my other, my farmer friend. And he said that he heard of a factory in Ohio that um, was set to euthanize a few thousand pigs. And they were asking that people come by them at an extreme price cut. So he sent me that, that text at like 10 o'clock and I was getting in bed and I must have thought about it the whole night. And then I texted my parents at 5 a.m. and said, we need to talk. And they definitely thought that I was going to tell them like I was moving back to Chicago. <laughs> but <laughs> but I was like, no, I've been tossing and turning all night because there's, you know, these pigs that are getting euthanized and we have an opportunity to do something. But I it was hard for me to figure out exactly how that fit into our pasture-based, organic-fed system, right. you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But I ultimately realized that I care about animal welfare and human health, and, you know, food waste is a big component to that. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to see these animals' deaths go in vain. So we kind of, the three of us, just called other farmers that we knew, um, you know, talked to, um, a lawyer to make sure like we were legally doing everything correctly. Uh, we had advice from the extension office and figured out like how we could actually get the pigs, bring them back here and process them on our farm and then donate the meat. And, um, the amount of people who wanted to participate in it was just like overwhelming. And, um, the, the families who took home the meat actually participating in the processing of the meats. So they were here for like the slaughter and the processing of the meat that they took home. And I just thought that that was incredible because 
how cool is it that you know maybe for the first time ever they were that connected to their food um and for me too like I had never I mean I've you know killed bugs but I've never witnessed (laughs) I've never witnessed like a beating heart stop like that so it was it was quite the experience um both positive and then just the the experience of actually going to the factory farm and picking up the pigs and um seeing the conditions and just seeing you know things that I had only read about or seen in photos and actually seeing in person the way that the pigs were being raised and the the confinement that they were kept in was I mean just like heart shattering Mm -hmm. and when I brought them back to the farm um you know they were only at the farm for for uh two days um before we slaughtered them but you could just I mean it was their first time on grass but you could tell that they just um like they had been stripped of a lot of their instinctive behaviors right and that it was really sad um and it made me really really grateful for what I'm doing with raising the pigs on pasture but um yeah, it was really sad that that's that's the way that we're producing a majority of of the meat. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just I was just um, wow. I, I, there's it was almost a Wendell Berry moment there. It sounds like for you that you've really experienced the life and death cycle of farm life, but then to do what you all did, I think is just fantastic to. To take something that's going to be euthanized, and, and I agree with you 100% that our broken food system needs to address the centralized issues, the centralized processing, but even more is the amount of waste. It's like you know, 40% mm-hmm. of all of our food that we raise is wasted. And right. the fact that you're bringing this in, you're processing, and, and, and the, the wisdom that you have to realize, I don't want to, I don't want to incorporate these pigs into my operation because that's no. not what we're about. But the fact that you did you know, take the risk to get them, bring them in the expense associated with that, and, and process them and, and give that food away to people. And, and you're exactly right. I, I'm sure there's so many people that have learned so much and have, not, have been so disconnected from their food that when they came to be involved in that, when they open that pack of pork chops or open that, that sausage uh, on breakfast morning, they're going to realize that, Wow, this, there, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of effort that goes into making this pack of sausage. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I that's definitely one of my goals with the farm is to get people more connected to their food. Um, you know, to 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 help people, to engage with people, and, and help them to understand, you know, where food comes from and how it's raised and how that impacts the health of everything. Um, so. But yeah, for me, um, I definitely experienced the circle of life in that moment with the pigs. And when we brought them home, I was <clears throat> I was really shook up and I was really upset. And then when we actually harvested them and get you know the people took the meat home, I realized that it's more about the suffering that got me than it was about the actual death. Like, right. right. I think that this is just part of the process and everything dies mm-hmm. to, um, 
it becomes energy for something else, right? Like those pigs' death are now sustaining other people's lives. Right. And that's really the point of everything. But if we can do that in a way that benefits the animals and benefits the planet, then I think we're in a good place. Yeah, yeah, well said. No, I think that's great. And, and tying in the educational element to your farm, so where, whether as you go along, along and learn, then you're obviously sharing that experience with others and giving people that really have no desire to learn how to farm, making sure they fully understand or at least better understand the process of where their food comes from and the difference of a a, a piece of sausage, let's say, produced on your farm versus something they get at a local drive-through. So I, right. I think I think that's really critical for for all of us. We, we're all ambassadors of of change when it comes to the slow food movement and organic processes and things that we 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 have to be good representatives for as many people as possible. Right, and from what I what I um, through that experience and through the farm and just posting on social media and the amount of feedback that I've gotten from people. Um, it's really apparent that people want to learn and they want, just like me, like how I said, I didn't know that a package of grass fed beef didn't mean that that animal was on pasture. You don't know what you don't know. And the only way that people are going to learn is through education. So it's just putting that information out there. And I think people are really receptive and, and wanting to, to learn about their food and, and learn about agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's as people start to have the have the curtain pulled back, then it right. creates more questions. It creates um, more curiosity for them to, to fully understand, and they appreciate it more. You know, I I can think of, of, of years, decades of my life where I took um, you know a, a boneless chicken breast for for granted because <laughs> that's what everybody had, and only until I raised my own chickens and processed them myself and you know, processed multiple hundred on the farm by hand. Do I appreciate, you know, if, if I see one of my boys leave some chicken left on their plate, it's like, ah, you're, you're not leave, you're not throwing that in the garbage right. can. Something's going to happen to that. Either you're going to eat it or it's going to be used somewhere else. So, right. And I, it's, it's so true, right? It's the, it's the disconnect that is leading us down these paths of, you know, purchasing from factory farms and wasting food. And if we could just reconnect to our food then maybe we would be more conscious about the way that we're consuming. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, Julie, obviously I could, my goodness, I could spend another hour just talking about this and the philosophy behind uh, uh, why we do what we do, but uh, I won't keep you that long. But one thing I'd like to ask you that I, I ask everyone as we wrap up our conversation is, in your, in your experience so far of raising pastured pigs, what do you find to be the most beneficial or your favorite aspect of seeing those pigs out on pasture um well i would say the first time that i moved the pigs from one paddock to the next paddock um and i kind of like i didn't know how long to keep them on a paddock i just figured i would know when i saw and i did notice like i noticed that they got a little bit bored they kind of like had a been there done that attitude and laid around a lot more so i thought okay it's time to move them and when i moved them to the new paddock they wiggled and danced and <laughs> ran and like rolled on their backs all over the place and it was just like i could see how like stimulated they were by this new space and how much they liked 
um, you know, using their, and like how intelligent they are, how much they like using their brains. They like seeing new things and being able to root up new things. And so that was really cool. And that I think is my favorite part of like from an animal welfare and just characteristics of pigs perspective. But I do have one more too. And this is more so about um, ecology. <laughs> when we had them, we had them, um, when we first got them, we had them in the barn with outdoor access um, to like a decent size outdoor paddock. And I thought, you know, cause we needed to keep them in the barn cause they were little. So I wanted to close them up at night because of predators. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that they'd be in there for like a couple weeks and that would be fine until we put them in the woods. And by like day three, they had completely rooted up just everything. And I mean, and, and then it was raining and so it was like completely mud. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what are these destructive little things? And I'm thinking, I get on my dad if he leaves like tire tracks with the tractor and these <laughs> things that I brought in just destroyed this. And so then we put them out in the woods and I didn't really think much of it. And then all of a sudden, I just noticed it was just a pasture. Like I had walked by it every single day when I went past the barn or to the barn and I never really took the time to look until one day it was like up to my calves, in, you know, different grasses and different plants. And it, that was only like three weeks later. And so what they had done was not actually destructive. They had like stimulated all this growth and probably rooted up different seeds and um and and it was really cool i mean that's kind of you know what we're trying to do is incorporate domestic species into our system to enhance to enhance the ecosystem and that's exactly what they did oh yeah yeah it's it is incredible i've, I've seen areas of of our woodlot pastures where uh, where we're doing silvo pasture, where the seed bank has been stirred up, and I've right. seen varieties you know, come back uh, in, in greater densities in right. some areas, and some areas, yeah, you know, it's something else, and it is fantastic, and and uh, it is it is amazing to how you can fold them into the ecology, as you said, and and just see what they can do to to positively influence. And obviously, there's things right. that we can we can neglect where it'll negatively influence, and that's a, that balance that we have to strike. But it is. Right, and that has nothing to do with the pigs and everything to do with human mismanagement. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, yeah, they're really, really amazing. I really, <laughs> I really enjoy them. Wonderful. Well, Julie, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and, and especially it, it takes some courage for somebody to come on the podcast who's new because I'm sure you may be a little apprehensive about uh, you know, some people that are listening that are, are you know, very versed in and pastured piggery and and you're just starting out but i appreciate your insight and, and i and i think you know if i could say you're one of them that gets it you you, you understand already what what's required and what's needed and there's still going to have some hurdles you're going to experience there's there's all kinds of things if i talk to you six months from now i'm sure there's going to be all kinds of more insight that you've run into but uh but i yeah, i'm really excited with uh, where you are and and again your willingness to come on and talk with me about it yeah, I'm really excited that you had me. All right. Thank you. Well, if uh, you'd mentioned Facebook, so is, is there any uh, any social media or any online presence where people can find out more about Wildham Farm? Yeah, um, on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, it's Wildham, W-I-L-D-O-M, Farm. Awesome. All right. Yeah. 
Thank you. All right. Well, I uh, pray that you have a good rest of the week and uh, and that you enjoy uh, your time out in the pasture. You too, Troy. Thank you. Okay. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.